We've been talking a lot about veg these last few weeks. Uh, this is a program set aside for us to bring you up to date on what's going on in the orchard. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of September 29, 2011. Our first Thursday podcast in a while. We've gone back to Thursdays now, and I uh, hope you're not too inconvenienced by our changing the schedule there. Right. We had a conflict on Wednesdays. It just We could have continued doing it, but it was really pushing us schedule-wise. So uh, we think that for the, at least for the remainder of this year through the spring, anyway, we'll continue with this schedule. Right. Um, but yes, as you said in your opening, we want to talk about all things orchard today. Uh, we have given a good bit of attention in the past to vegetables, and now uh, we want a progress report uh, on what we've done so far and maybe um, wind up with talking a bit about our plans for the future. What we've got so far, we've, we've got a, a little more than an acre in orchard space, as well as a little bit inside the Veg Hill fence. Um, but when I think of the orchard, and I bet when you think of the orchard, you're thinking primarily of the area that's out to the east of the barn here. Uh, that's right. a separate area. Uh, we've got decent production of blueberries. We've got right. 20 blueberries that are growing, and of those, maybe six or so are producing in a decent way, and the others are too young. They're coming on. I was going to say, those six were the ones that we planted the previous year, so they're in their second year, and we would expect those to have a few blueberries. Yes, so. although we've got some that are t that were two years old and did not produce that right. much. Right, yeah, so... so. You know, that's kind of frustrating. But we'll see what happens next year. We also were pleased with our peach production. It was minuscule. I mean, we had like six or seven uh, peaches oh, no, per tree. Oh, no, I think we did. Think oh, six per tree. Per yeah, tree, so yeah. more like a dozen or right. so total. Yeah. But they were, we were very... Very small peaches, right. but so tasty. Yeah, Yum. sweet, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't have to spray thus far. We don't plan to. But we were just pleased to see how well they did. We've had a couple of figs, a few mm -hmm. figs. A few figs. A few figs, and they were good, too. And we still have some green figs out on that um, brown turkey that may come on before the frost hits. We'll just have to watch we'll have them to and see. check. But I've been pleased with the way the figs have tasted that we have harvested. Yes, yeah. they've been delicious. Um, and, of course, the muscadines that we planted last year, that is our second-year muscadines out on Veg Hill, have produced pretty well this year. Fairly well. They are smaller I than know. I was expecting and hoping. I, I frankly am a little disappointed in the size of the berries we're yeah. getting out there. But, um, you know, we've got, they'll be fine for wine and jam and that sort of thing. So yeah. we'll enjoy them. And I think you did bring in one muscadine that you got from what? Was granny that a, Val. a Granny Val, and it was big and plump and really and delicious. really sweet. Yeah, Ooh, boy, lots of promise. This was a Granny Val that we just planted this year, and we only had two muscadines to to bear on it, 
And if I were a real man, I probably would have plucked them long before they ripened because that's probably the best way to help your muscadines develop their skeleton and so forth. But hey, we wanted to taste them. Wanted to taste them. And I'm glad we did because now we know they hold a lot of promise. I think they're going to be really good. And of course, we've had some blackberries from the, uh, again, canes that I planted last year uh, or plants that I planted last year. There was one Natchez that took off. And this year actually gave us some big, juicy blackberries. And they were delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite as sweet as I was hoping, but we'll continue to watch that. But we did get some good berry production, and we've got good buying production out of the ones we planted this year and are yeah. anticipating a decent year next year. That's what we're hoping, yes. And those are out uh, in the um, orchard area. Not only, uh, we've got a few more thornless out on the orchard proper, and we have a whole lot of Kiowa thorny blackberries Mm -hmm. out on the orchard proper. But they're trellised, so we're hoping that even though they're thorny, they will be much easier to pick than going to a blackberry patch or something. Certainly easier to pick than ordinary thorny blackberries growing in the wild would be. Because what we do with the trellis is that we get them right up where you can reach them easily and have a minimum of foliage in relation to the berries. And the foliage is all under control because it's right there on the trellis line. Right. So, and thank you for getting keeping those trellis. That's they, they will be nice. Yeah. We've had uh, we had strawberries back in June that were pretty good. I mean, there there tasty. was a yeah they were tasty. Some of them were larger than others, but uh, which of course you'd prefer a, a larger strawberry. But just the fact that we had some made me happy. And we've got a bit of a weed problem um, in the strawberries. We have a perennial strawberry patch. There are different schools of thought on how to grow strawberries, but you and I have opted to have perennial strawberries, meaning that we keep the plants in place from year to year. And I guess after next year, you'll pull those that are in the middle and let the daughters come over into the middle, right? I'm going to try that, yes. And and I do need to weed out there, but we've I've been so covered over with other tasks that took priority that because they're not really producing right now, I've just sort of let it go until later. But I plan to uh, weed those and then after the weather cools off a bit and then put some mulch around them really heavily so that to hopefully protect them from right. the cold weather. So that... Uh, the strawberries we will continue to watch. Now we've had we've got several fruit trees that are not bearing anything yet, so we have absolutely no idea how they're going to do. We've got a bunch of apples, we've got a bunch of pears, we've got three or four plums, and five persimmons, all of which are growing okay but not mm-hmm. bearing yet. Right, and the apple, see, four of the apple trees and about four of the pear trees were planted last year and still no fruit. But I think that's normal. I it think is it's normal. It's usually the third yeah. to fifth year. Correct. It may, we fruit. may not see any production from them for another year or two. Right. Um, but we will be patient, and eventually, we hope, we will have pears, apples, plums, and persimmons to go with these other things we've right. told you about. And uh, we, of course, want to plant well we'll talk later about what we're planting but we we lost our three pomegranate trees that we put out with a, in the construction of the Good lodge point. those we so, will need to replace and you know i don't, I don't guess i no i didn't put them on the list but of we'll what talk we're planning about to plant them. so yeah. yeah 
Um, uh, we'll need to make sure we don't forget about those. Right. And then, um, of course, in order for, to protect those delicate little trees, uh, you have installed a deer fence, an electric deer fence, around the orchard proper. The first painful lesson we learned here at Longleaf Breeze, I guess after learning about erosion, was about what deer can do to your unprotected crops. So we knew from the beginning, as soon as we talked about putting in an orchard, we knew we were going to have to put some kind of deer yeah. barrier up. Mm -hmm. And we've opted for a three-line electric deer fence from McGregor uh, Fence Company. And we've got, it's up now. It's very easy to install, uh, which was great. Um, involved T-posts and some fiberglass posts that McGregor sent us. And we just run poly wire, which is like, wire wrapped around itself all around in three distinct lines and then have it under enough tension so that it doesn't sag. Mm -hmm. And that worked fine, but we've got some kind of problem with the grounding because I can tell there's plenty of current coming off the charger. It's just when I depend on the ground rod to work that I uh, notice a drop in the voltage, a drop so severe that it wouldn't shock a deer. Yes. So and I, that's I don't the whole have point. a functional deer fence yet. But I just cannot say enough about how helpful and patient the folks at McGregor have been. Um, Jonathan and Johnny have been, and Louise and Judith, for that matter, the, the ladies who work the phones, have just been terrific. So we're, um, we'll continue working through it together and we'll figure out what the problem is. It's probably something I've done wrong. We just got to figure out figure what out it is what it I've is. done wrong and fix it. And I'm out of my element when we start talking about electrical grounding yeah. and that sort of thing. So hopefully. And um, I also want to get in a good word for the people who made the charger. They're, it's a company called Parmac. And we have a 12-volt solar-powered electric charger that is the guts of the electric deer fence. And we suspected for a while that the problem was with the charger. Uh, Dan Hummel and his folks at Parmac worked with us, and we were able to eventually um, confirm that the charger's fine, and now we just got to figure out what I'm doing wrong with the fence. So that's the next step. Yeah. Um, of course, we've noticed lots of muscadines, wild muscadines on the ground as we go walking each day, so we hope that the deer are, at the moment, finding plenty of food out in the wild and not is likely to pressure us. You know, that's a good point. point. I had made a deadline for myself. Oh, that deer fence has got to be in by September the 1st. And I have clearly missed that deadline. And yeah. I'm still squirreling away with this. But fortunately, I think I set the deadline too early. You know, there's plenty of foliage out there in the wild. The deer, yeah. they're finding berries and nuts and leaves and plenty to eat. So we're not feeling the pressure yet. But we will very soon. But we soon. will. Yeah, so we want to get it working. Well, one thing that looks a lot better about the orchard is, from a distance at least, the grass. I, I know I, I'm saying from a distance because we know if you get up too close, we find that a lot of it's just weeds. But it's green, and, you, and it's holding the soil. And so, hey. you and I have a different school of thought on this. In your mind, it needs to be some um, identified species of grass. 
in my mind, it needs to hold the soil. So I'm delighted with weeds as long as we can keep them from interfering with the production of the fruit trees. Right. Um, I'm happy with weeds because I can mow weeds. You know, that's that's not a problem. And what we've done is develop, uh, when we first started, I was maintaining the orchard floor with the bush hog. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty with that is I couldn't get very close to the trees with the bush hog. Right, to keep the weeds from interfering with the plant, Correct. With the target crop. And I also, it, once I've put the electric deer fence up, there are plenty of places where I cannot, I can no longer reach with the bush hog. Yeah. It's just too big. So um, we have invested in a quick, dually 36 uh, walk-behind mower. It's a professional mower. And man, I just love it. It's just great. It's it's um, it leaves it uh, makes a big footprint out there. It's kind of a big guy, but hopefully not too hard to push. We say a big guy, but when you compare the quick dually with say a zero turn, it's yeah. much much smaller and more nimble. Mm-hmm. So and that's what I needed. I need something smaller and nimble to get in those uh, little spaces in the orchard. So I, I think it's going to turn out to be a great solution for us and. Obviously, you and I like exercise, so it's not a problem that I have to walk behind. Right, you know, yeah. That's just it's... not an issue. I have uh, done some surgery on the orchard floor to facilitate keeping it mown. The first mm-hmm. thing I needed to do was to relocate some of the fiberglass posts so that I could weave the lawnmower in and out and be able to travel the full distance of the line. Mm-hmm. I can't travel the full distance, but I can travel maybe 80% of the way around now without having to stop and turn around, which is great. Yeah, that is um, good. And the other thing I'm doing to facilitate keeping it looking good out there is I'm systematically, slowly, but systematically, burying all of the drip header and drip hose so that I don't have to worry about cutting it with the mower. Yeah. As if it's well buried, and it doesn't need to be buried all that deep, you know, just an inch or so will do it. Just needs to be well below where the blades are spinning and and I can mow over those places with without worrying about it. So that's that's helping us keep that process going. So gradually you're making it a little more user-friendly for mowing yes, by doing and that. Yes, a little more foolproof maybe. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm, I'm less likely to wreak havoc by mowing. <laughs> Which we definitely don't yeah. want. Well, maybe you can give us a little bit of a progress report on the trellising aspect of the orchard. Yeah, we were sort of unsure when we started this about whether trellising was going to be a good idea. And I guess we still are unsure. It's a little early yet to yeah. proclaim success exactly. in that department. Um, I think we can say that putting in the trellises and planting the trees went fairly smoothly. Um, pruning the trees to the trellis lines has gone fairly smoothly. Quickly became my favorite thing to do. It's just really yeah. pleasant to putter around in the orchard and yeah. train those trees to the trellis line and prune what doesn't need to be growing and so forth. That's been a lot of fun for me. Um, the downside of it, if there, well, and there is a downside of trellising the way we're doing, you are setting out to keep your trees fairly small. 
when you trellis. So a person might, you know, plant a pear tree, let's say, and look forward to that pear tree getting to be 25 or 30 feet high and produce six or eight bushels of pears. Well, we'll be doing great to get two bushels of pears off a pear tree the way we're growing them because we're just limiting how much foliage they can put in the sunshine. But they'll be um, easier to harvest. And we learned from one of our uh, tours of the uh, orchard petals from the past with Arlie Powell that you actually could, by thinning and keeping the tree small, you actually increase, I guess, proportionately the number of pears or fruit. And And you also can increase the size size, of the individual fruit by thinning the fruit themselves. Yes, most people would rather uh, harvest a slightly smaller number of really big sweet pears than a lot of small ones. So it, most people yeah. would. That's right. And 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 I think we count ourselves in that number. We yeah. would rather have a smaller number of fruit and have them be good size, sweet, um, yeah. fun to eat yeah. kind of so, fruit. So that'll be uh well really quickly before we run out of time, I'd like to mention that uh in order to further our knowledge of planting trees and maintaining them and pruning them, uh we attended um, a master gardener workshop or conference, I guess the fall conference in Montgomery earlier Just in the week. Just finished doing that. Yeah. Like, uh, when was it? Tuesday. So two days All ago. All about trees is the name. Was the name of Great it. Great conference. Oh, well done. Lots of lot. good material. Yeah, um, Well organized. So. And so one thing that we uh, learned from that is, even though we had always heard you can plant in the fall through the end of the winter, um, we learned that it's preferable here in this area to wait until December through February to do the planting. You know, when it's when everything's good and dormant, um, you know, you do it too early in the fall, you may not have dormancy. So we will probably aim for December or January. We're planning to do some traveling toward the end of December to see our families. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Um, But so we're thinking probably early January. Right. We will hit it hard on our planting for the the new year. And our plans are to, uh, we've got one muscadine that didn't make it, so we right. got to replace it. And mm-hmm. you said you wanted to put a Darlene there. Yes. I'm fine I with that. Tasted one of those at Petals. It was really sweet. And we've got one uh, persimmon that didn't make it. And we're going to um, backfill it probably with a Wasi Fuyu. We've got three spots picked out for peaches. One uh, where we had that um, dead aurubrum plum. Right. One where we've got a celeste fig that didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And we've got a third spot um, out off row 11 that we can that just blank, right? That will be good. And then, of course, 20 blueberry trees. We have yeah, big the plans big for those. The big push is the blueberries. We have 20 blueberries that have survived now, and we have we can accommodate 40. And we've decided we're going to make a big push with blueberries um, this winter and hope to get them fully planted um, yeah. for the new year. And we've already mentioned the three pomegranate trees we planned. Yeah, we need to add those add. three pomegranates so. that we pulled out in the process of the construction and get them replaced and maybe a fig we'll have to think yeah, that through decide whether through. we want to put a fig and of course, out there possibly to, to consider for a later podcast um our plans to uh plant pecan trees 
the pecans is a that's a little tougher nut to crack. Excuse the pun. Oh, oh that um, was bad. Because in order to put the pecans in, we've got to do some clearing, and I mean heavy clearing. Yeah. And so I'm I'm wondering now whether we're going to make the pecans this year. The pecans may not make it this year; may have to wait until next year. Because we've got a lot of big trees that we would need to bring down, and you know, do a some heavy bush hogging and so forth, in order to make that happen. The plans, for what it's worth, are to wrap pecans on the west and the south borders of Veg Hill, and we're probably looking at um, eventually six to eight full-size pecans, but we may do a little cluster planting, sort of putting three in one spot and three in another spot, and then take the best of the three in each spot and and let them go and and cut down the other two. Yeah. So we'll have to see, but as I said, we we can certainly devote some time to that in the future as as we're running out of time, but we certainly enjoy being with you, and we hope you have a great week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the Daily Farm Log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.